0: Bom dia, Giordano here from the Juice Media. Welcome back to the Juice Media podcast, a companion to the Honest Government ad series. This episode of the podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land and it is the companion to our latest Honest Government ad about Brazil.
1: Hello, I'm from the Brazilian government with a message to the world as we prepare to have a coup, I mean election, to decide if this little shit goblin should run the country for another four years.
0: As you know, since our own election earlier this year, we've been on a mini world tour of shit fuckery. We visited the US, then the UK, and now we visit Brazil. Why Brazil? Because Brazil is about to have an election, and it is one of this decade's most important elections, given that the outcome will affect not just Brazilians, but the world at large. That's because, as this new scientist article reiterated just today, the outcome will effectively determine the fate of the Amazon, which plays a crucial role in maintaining the global carbon cycle and which scientists say stands on the brink of a tipping point. So I figured we should make an honest government ad to lend Brazil a hand from afar. That and the fact that we've had so many Brazilians imploring us to make an HGA for them, that I figured this would be the only way to make them stop. Jokes aside, Thank you to all the Brazilians who've commented on the video thanking us for making this HGA. It means a lot to know that Brazilians in our audience can feel the love from the other side of the world ahead of this crucial election. And I love the sense of international solidarity we're cultivating here together, a sort of shared consciousness of shitfuckery. I'm also stoked to see so many Brazilians commenting that we did a good job of nailing the Bolsonaro government. And I want to make it clear that this is in great part because I teamed up with a local expert on Brazilian shitfuckery to write it, Sabrina Fernandez. A PhD in sociology with a specialization in political economy, Sabrina is an eco-socialist activist in Brazil. She's also the creator of the super popular YouTube channel Teze Onze and lead editor for Jacobin Brazil. As well as providing essential local knowledge of Brazilian politics, popular references and memes, Sabrina also performed a voiceover for this HGA, our first ever guest voiceover. And so, for all those reasons, I'm stoked to have Sabrina as my guest on the podcast today to talk about the process of making this HGA together and, of course, the coming Brazilian election. I hope you enjoy our chat, and I'll catch you on the other side. Welcome to the Juice Media Podcast, Sabrina Fernandes. It's great to have you here, and thank you so much for contributing your knowledge and your voice to our latest Honest Government ad about Brazil.
1: Hi, Giordano, I'm really happy to be here and so happy with the collaboration and also because like I've been a huge fan of the Just Media for a really long time and we know that the timing for this was just perfect too, so I'm really happy with that.
0: Well, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that likewise uh, and I want to ask you about the election, which is in just in a few days as a major election in Brazil, I want to ask you about that, but first I know many people in our audience uh, are going to be curious to know about the collaboration uh, behind this honest government ad and how it unfolded, we started talking about doing this about two years ago. Then we had put everything on hold because of COVID, and then our election here in Australia earlier this year. Um, but I'm so glad we made it happen, as you said. What, um, yeah, what was your experience of uh, working on the honest government ad and specifically doing the voiceover for it?
1: Well, the the first thing that people should know is that like my deal with Jordan was that I I should get to say shit fuckery. So that was part of the the, the, the first yeah it was part of the contract <laughs> and um I really thought that it would be interesting to do something that we could sum up some of the worst things that Uh, were done by the Bolsonaro government, but in a way that also related to Brazilian humor. So I think uh, what makes me um, quite happy with the outcome is that we still captured the essence of like the classic HGAs, but we also brought in these little things about Brazilian meme culture and the audience has been really uh, positive in their feedback about it, like mentioning certain things like agro boys or uh, certain things around, um, you know, the the way that we approach the Bolsonaro family. I think that was like, a nice touch, and I was really happy that you let me, like, you know, like just say little things like here and there. Oh, we should do this. We should do that. Like, I felt really free in the process of collaborating here.
0: No, that's so good. I mean, just so everyone knows, uh, I, I took all of Sabrina's advice because I've been following Brazilian politics a little bit, but I felt really in the dark. And so Sabrina was like, you know, this is you know really guided me, and and I said, no, you shouldn't say things like that. You should. I think this is how it should. It would be better received, you know. Um, and especially with all the memes, uh, you know, agro the agro business ads and all of that. Uh, that's all Sabrina's. A lot of people have commented and saying, oh, you've. Captured so many memes, and I was like, "Yeah, that's because I collaborated with a local, so that makes a huge difference." And I, you know, I love doing that kind of collaboration. So thank you so much for uh, for doing that. Um, and just one more thing: How has the honest government ad been received in Brazil?
1: Oh, that's the really cool part so there's um a little bit of like uh if like for people like from the the just media audience who are not aware of like who I am in my work I have like a, my own social media following in Brazil like I have a, a political education project and present all over social media and hundreds of thousands of subscribers uh so I know that part of my base already knew the Juice Media, they were fans of AGA, they actually like were probably pitching you like way back then that, okay, maybe you should do this collab. So those people are really happy about it. And I think that was quite important because they are familiar with the product. So that was good, but the video went viral and it went viral in ways that we can't even properly account for anymore because it's not just, well, YouTube views or the views on Twitter. Twitter is insane right now. It's reaching 700,000 views on the Portuguese um, hard-coded uh, subtitles. Um, I think he has gone over uh, half a million views on, on Instagram as well. Um, but the things that people started downloading it And in this particular situation that we're trying to get people excited about defeating this, you know, Horrible little shit goblin uh, in the elections on on Sunday. Um, people downloaded it and they're sending it on WhatsApp and WhatsApp groups. And we've had we've had people uh, you know actually find out about the video in WhatsApp groups first, and then they went and they looked for it online and made comments about it. And in Brazil, this means a lot because WhatsApp is one of the main um, social media tools utilized by Bolsonaro and you know his fascist supporters to spread fake news so the fact that we actually burst the bubble right there this this means a lot
0: okay that's fantastic and there's no analytics on that so we have no idea but that's a good sign is what you're saying is that it's it's made it into that that channel of communication so that's that's awesome that's great um sabrina so there's a major election coming up it's just a few days away now it's on october 2nd for those that don't know Um, you're right there in the thick of it. Can you help us, uh, those of us who are outside of Brazil, to get a sense of what is the mood like there right now? What's happening on the ground?
1: We have a mix of things, and if I could sum it up as two things, there's a mix of uh, fear and hope, um, which uh, is connected to the level of political violence in Brazil. We've always had a a more politically violent country, um, not the same level as Colombia but definitely like way higher than it should be. And in the past years with the rise of Bolsonaro and his supporters, uh, threats against the left uh, have grown a lot. We like immediately, like uh, in 2018, we had like Bolsonaro supporters murder, uh, Workers' Party supporters. We've had murders this year already. Uh, We've had... um, uh, loss of threats, people getting beaten up so this is something that's really like heightening the situation and it's creating like we've had polling um around like around with people saying that well like I'm afraid of speaking my vote because if I speak my vote I think yeah. I could be threatened or I could suffer direct physical violence. So this is a problem but at the same time uh, there is a slight chance that Lula might win in the first round. And because uh, there is a wide left coalition behind Lula right now, it's not just a left coalition. It's a coalition that goes from, you know, like a little bit of the radical left until the center-right behind Lula, Um, that he might win in the first round. This means, obviously, some concessions, that there's not going to be a super radical government, probably quite quite a moderate one, but it's going to be an anti-Bolsonaro government. It's going to be a government that brings back social policies that Bolsonaro destroyed uh in the, in the past years. And I think prior primarily is going to be a government that approaches issues in Brazil around hunger and around death with the seriousness that's required. So that gives people hope as well. And if Lula wins in the first round, that might give us a little bit of a stability.
0: Okay. Are there any concerns that if Bolsonaro doesn't win, he is going to contest the results or is that
1: Oh, no, that's a real concern. That's the reason we put that in the AGA, right? It's not just because, well, we think this guy is anti-democratic. No, he's mentioned it quite a few times. Uh, He usually uh, does that kind of like dog whistling um, technique of uh, he goes live on like usually on Thursdays, and then he says things and he tells his supporters, well, you know what to do and little things like that, and that goes around. yeah. Yeah. That goes around in forums, and we're quite worried. We had like a, an increase in the number of Nazi cells in Brazil in the past years, like under Bolsonaro. So this is something um, pretty gruesome, I guess. And uh, we also know, like, that Bolsonaro uh, has been attacking the electronic electronic voting system in Brazil for quite a number of years, and they, he's trying to uh, take away its legitimacy, even though it's the same system that got him elected right. four years ago. Sure. Um, so uh, yeah, the, he's been saying things about the possibility of fraud, and one of the craziest things out of it all is that he says that if he doesn't win with a 60% advantage uh, on Sunday, then it was definitely fraudulent, and it and the Supreme Court and like the 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 electoral office is you know probably in uh, in this process. So he's also questioning other types of legitimacy, like from the institutions and things like that.
0: Right. Okay. We obviously this all sounds very familiar to those who followed U.S. politics. It all went down. Uh, perfectly in the, in the US. So um, good luck to Bolsonaro in pulling that off. Um, but obviously, um, we be if the whole world is watching very carefully because Bolsonaro is uh, is is one of is regarded as one of the sort of this informal coalition of proto fascist uh, forces. So um, all eyes will be on Brazil. Uh, And there's a lot at stake in this election for Brazilians domestically, but also the world at large. Can you explain a little bit um, just to unpack that? um, Why is this election so critical domestically and globally?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think like we in the AGA, we talked about the Amazon as part of this, but I think it's larger than that. So when we think in ecological terms, I think Brazil is pretty crucial here. We have like very important biomes. It's not just the Amazon. We also are contributing a lot to climate change because of deforestation. So what we call a change in land use. And um, this is quite a problem. But also, if we look into it regionally, it's not just the anti-ecological policies coming from the Bolsonaro government, but also... Uh, how this uh, Bolsonarista, this far-right camp that uh, has grown stronger around uh, this one public figure is also connected to the far-right in other places. So we know, for example, um, you know, the the connection between the guy uh, who attempted to murder uh, uh, Cristina in Argentina now well, Brazilian and connections to the Brazilian far-right. We know that when we had the coup in Bolivia, the Brazilian far-right was also connected to it. And there are conferences, you know, they go to Europe and like they talk about other places like Hungary. So it's important to have a a defeat of someone uh, who was able, unfortunately, to run a country as big as Brazil with an economy as big as Brazil's uh, for four years. Uh, so this, this this is going to send a sign that you can't just keep doing that. Like, unfortunately, in terms of mobilization in Brazil, we weren't able to send that sign to tell the world that Brazilians are not going to uh, uh, st- uh, like stick with this guy and let this guy run the country uh, for the full mandate. We failed uh, in this process, but hopefully we can send a message now with the elections, and this might help to restructure some of these re- political relationships.
0: Absolutely, it's it, the, the the mushrooms are sprouting up everywhere. We've just seen the uh, results of the election in Italy, which have oh, de- yeah. delivered another uh, problematic uh, government. I'm actually feeling a little. I've copped a lot of. Uh, questions from because i'm italian and a lot of italians have written to me is Giordano, why aren't you so you know what you're talking about (laughs) brazil what about italy i was like fuck man there's just too much shit fuckery and uh yeah we have to we'll have to talk about that as well but i i did want to focus on brazil for the exact reasons that you've um that you've explained it's such a crucial election but we will get to italy as well my fellow countrymen don't and women don't worry we will get there um sabrina as is often the case whether it be at standing rock fighting against oil pipelines or here on the Murujuga Peninsula in, in Australia, fighting against Woodside's massive LNG gas export terminal, indigenous people are often almost always on the front lines of fighting environmental shitfuckery. And in Brazil, they are leading the fight for the Amazon. How have indigenous peoples been impacted by the Bolsonaro government and what are they calling for?
1: Yes, yeah, so uh well, indigenous genocide is the rule in every uh colonial uh situation. But uh under the Bolsonaro government, there's been like direct attacks. So he dismantled agencies that are responsible for indigenous policies. Uh he's talked about indigenous assimilation, so more of an ethnocide approach to it, as well as arming uh, you know, like big landowners and land grabbers. So like access uh, uh uh has been facilitated by the Bolsonaro government uh, so this increased violence we also have more more of a presence of organized crime around indigenous territory um, so like we've had like more murders uh, more threats of physical violence violence against uh indigenous children as well in the case of illegal mining we've had situations of uh the illegal mining operations in the rivers actually like like the machines actually sucking indigenous uh children into the machines and like they died in those circumstances, like the Yanomami ch- uh, children. We actually just had this collaboration, uh, like me with the Progressive International and um, the Climate uh, Litigation Accelerator and Forensic Architecture, uh, and we used that clip in the HGA showing like new data or uh, in terms of like the amount of deforestation and in the in uh, violence against indigenous uh, Yanomami people in the past years with the Bolsonaro government. And we're talking here about like. 14 of like 1400 uh, football fields in terms of deforestation and we were talking about mercury poisoning so we have data to show that this is happening latin america is already a very violent region against environmentalists and uh, this is the reason why we like we're pushing like I hope that like if Lula gets elected, he can like ratify the Esca-Sul, uh agreement that's important in the region to protect environmental defenders. Uh, but we also know that none of this is going to be possible if we don't treat indigenous land rights seriously. Uh, and like it's been too slow like the, the past, like with the with the modern left in power in Brazil. They did way better than Bolsonaro, of course, um, but it was too slow. So we really have to advance uh, indigenous land settlement in the next four years.
0: Just for people who don't know, by that, do you mean actually defining, protecting indigenous territories and ensuring that if any land grabbers go in there and try to take hold of that land, they're actually punished and fines. Is that the kind of sort of approach to yeah that they get
1: rights. yeah that they get actually uh recognized as indigenous territory because this is one of the issues in brazil like we had like these uh i'm not gonna go into crazy sure. historical specifics but since uh the like 1850 like the land approach in brazil actually means that you have to kind of prove that's your land and right now uh, we have these um, judicial theses running in the Brazilian court um, that's being uh, 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 currently evaluated by the Supreme Court that actually says that if an indigenous uh, community hasn't uh, been able to prove that they were in that territory in 1988 which was when the current constitution um um was basically uh, inaugurated well then it's not really their territory so we're talking right. here about you know like um settler colonialism that has gone on for a while so like they kick out the indigenous communities from their territory and then, well, see, they weren't there, so they can't say it was theirs. So they're basically like legalizing expulsion, and that's why not only we need to fight against this um, this possibility of this judicial thesis being actually approved by the Supreme Court, we actually have to move forward uh, as it is law uh, with uh, indigenous land settlement and agrarian reform. Those, those two things should go along, they should go together.
0: There are very strong echoes of, of what you just described in Brazil and here in Australia, where Aboriginal people since the 1990s under the Native Title Act, have, have the onus has been on them to prove their connection uh, to country, an uninterrupted connection. So that if, if that connection to country was interrupted by colonization, then uh, as, as one of the, the justices uh, ruled in a famous ruling here, about 20 years ago, they, they t- uh, title to that land is washed away by the tide of history, which is basically saying the more colonized you've been, the less recourse you have to justice. And uh, one of our um, uh, great Aboriginal uh, leaders and activists here, Robbie Thorpe, said this is, a, this is a perversion of the course of justice. It shouldn't be us proving our connection to this land. It should be you motherfuckers proving your connection yes. to this land here. And it's one of the examples in which Settler colonialism uses a law in order to advance its own uh, its own interests, uh, uh, as always. Um, I want to ask you, Sabrina, if Lula wins, let's assume Lula wins this election, as the polls say, and let's assume Bolsonaro doesn't successfully stage a coup. He faces major uh, challenges. It's not going to be uh, an easy ride for him. And specifically in regards to the Amazon, which, yes, is a critical haven of biodiversity and a planetary carbon cycle regulator, but also regarded by many Brazilians as a key source of development and economic growth. Are these two things compatible? Um, and under a Lula government, is there a way for Brazil's development of the Amazon and its inhabitants, human and non-human, to coexist? H- how do you see that unfolding?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about the big contradiction standing in the middle of the room. Right. Uh, so we know that if Lula gets elected, um, his government is going to be more environmentally friendly than his previous governments because um, I'm not sure if he even actually learned the lesson, but he learned the political lesson that like you you can't go around just building mega projects everywhere and just, you know, saying this is in the name of development and people should just suck it up so that there are enough of pressure coming from social movements um, that might help change the course. And uh, Lula has committed to regenerating the Amazon. So not only stopping deforestation, but also working on uh, other projects for regeneration, projects around agroecology as well. And he's committed to uh, setting Brazil back on the path of fighting climate change. Um, At the same time, there is, you know, a huge aspect of green capitalism popping up here and there in his speeches and slightly in between the lines of the actual government program that um, that he released, um, because like the language is a little vague, but you can tell it's there because he's been often claiming that Brazil can develop through the Amazon. And when he says that, he says that, well, we can exploit the wealth of the biodiversity in the Amazon. Um, There are two ways that this can go about. It can go about through like solidaristic bioeconomies. So by empowering the communities, indigenous communities, traditional communities, so like black traditional communities, quilombolas, jibedinos, people who work in like um, a low level, um, low intensity extractivism. So, you know, like, for example, the rubber uh, in the Amazon, that's that's an important important community as well. So helping them get their you know product uh out there and doing this in a very uh, like ecological way, um, or it can be around commodities. Um and there is some risk that they're talking about the bioeconomy in the sense of commodities and like new exports. And one of the interviews that Lula gave just last week kind of gave that impression as well. I'm kind I'm a little um I'm investigating some of this because it's part of my research as well. Um, And this worries me because there's still this idea of just saying that we can do sustainable development when we know that sustainable development is a framework uh, imported uh, from the global north into the global south that's usually based on Ecological imperialism is usually based on taking from one place to keep up the mode of living somewhere else. And it's not really about understanding that we need to coordinate things better and we need to plan things better. And knowing that rights of nature should probably be respected, that's, you know, some ecosystems should remain as untouched as possible. And not everything is about, you know, a new source of profit or a new source of economic growth. And, um, yeah, it's it's going to be complicated in the sense because my big fear, I published a few articles on this, is that my big fear is that because Bolsonaro was so bad in anti-ecological terms, and by being anti-ecological, I don't mean just you know standard climate denialism, but actually like dismantling things should rebuild in the green capitalist way. Mm-hmm. But Bolsonaro was so bad uh in in this area that anything that Lula does that's better. That's a little bit more scientific. That that it, it looks a little bit more sustainable. People are just going to say, "Well, wow, this is wonderful."
0: And give him the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Yeah. So Bolsonaro exactly. has set the bar so low that uh, Lula doesn't have to do doesn't have to be as ambitious as he really needs to be, according to the science, according to so on. So if I hear you clearly, yes, you're you're supporting a Lula win, but um, it's not like. You're like, oh, great! Now we can rest. This, this is, you know, the, you'll have a lot of work to do then to hold him to account. To
1: yes, uh, we need to keep grassroots organizing uh, going. We need to mobilize better because one of the reasons why we weren't able to get Bolsonaro out is that demobilization is currently the rule in Brazil, and there's a tendency right now of just saying that well, Lula is going to fix everything. Like one of the right. the models of the campaign is like for Brazil to be happy again, and I've uh, been. Uh, I, I like I hate to be the messenger <laughs> in these situations, but I think it's kind of my job just saying that no, we're not gonna wake up in January first of January when like Lula uh has his inauguration and then Brazil is going to be happy yeah. again. Sure. We're going to have to build this, and sometimes we might have to fight Lula on this, yeah. but we need to do this. You know, in a you know with the proper. Uh, way based on social and class struggles and all the way that the far right has played dirty against Lula like uh, um imprisoning him like persecuting him no we need to do like proper um leftist opposition that's based on social justice principles and hope that the president actually fights along with us in this process uh if he needs to convince you know uh the the other players in the government that well that the people are right. So you you guys just get out of the way.
0: Again, very similar to the situation that we're in. Uh, our, our election delivered a win for our Labor Party, uh, and because we've had a decade of absolute shitfuckery uh, under the the previous uh, Conservative government, the bar has been set very low. Um, and everything that this new government does is like rays of sunshine and butterflies and rainbows. Um, but um, our job, as as your job, will be in 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 the event of we hope uh, Bolsonaro's defeat uh is um to keep putting the pressure on and keep uh, ensuring that you know we we keep pushing so thank you so much uh sabrina for giving us a bit of an insight on that um i just wanted to ask you one last more of a personal question than anything um i wanted to ask you what made you take this path of combining academia and uh, being a YouTuber. You have a PhD in sociology and you've created a very successful uh, YouTube presence on with your channel, Tezeonte, and also on Twitch and Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, as someone who's taken a fairly similar path myself, I'm also interested in this on a personal level. Uh, can you give us a bit of a sense of why you took this path?
1: There, there are two answers to this. One is beautiful and the other is pragmatic. Uh, I'll do the pragmatic answer first. I was unemployed. <laughs> I had finished my PhD and uh, I was waiting for like opportunities uh, I had you know, like back in Brazil. Uh, the university system was already quite dismantled back then. So not a lot of jobs coming along. And I just decided that like I missed the classroom and I, you know, let's do this. And it was a good opportunity for me to throw around ideas from my research and See how people connected to it. That worked out. And then I got a job, and then I started working like this insane super long weeks (laughs) trying to uh, reconcile everything but the actual like uh, the answer that keeps me along nowadays because now I actually don't need to do this like for for income or anything is that I believe that political education is a key tool for us to work not just in like mobilizing movements but actually getting us to think of more strategic questions That are not just like these immediate immediate questions that, for example, we're we're fighting to get rid of a far-right government. We actually need to uh, set the questions of, of how to ensure that they never come back in and what kind of society that we want. And what we're doing is not just about the next year or the next five years. It's also about the end of the century. So these big questions, they don't usually turn up in the newspapers. They don't usually turn up during the elections, and political education is quite key for us to uh, keep track of them, um, to try to sow the seeds of, you know, um, political critical thinking in society. And then from that, people can get organized within political organizations of all sorts, social movements, political parties, and then we'll get more um, concrete tools to work together to make the changes that we need. So. This is what keeps me going as exhausted as I am (laughs) every day.
0: And I have to say, you work incredibly hard uh, over the, We've been communicating for the past month, basically. And you're, you know, you're moving around doing so many different things. So, um, you know, kudos to you for balancing those two things. for those who don't know, we will put the links in the video description to Sabrina's channel Teze Onze, which means Thesis 11, which is a very apt reference to Marx's, one of Marx's thesis, uh, which the quote is, the philosophers have only interpreted the world in various ways. The point is to change it, which I think you've it's summed up very well in in, in everything that you've, that you've just described. And on that note, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, Sabrina, and also for all the knowledge that you've that you shared and the time and for lending your voice to this Honest Government ad, it was an honour to collaborate with you. And just before we go, I, I just wanted to bring out Ellen, who's, who's here, <laughs> who uh, obviously added the, brought it all together and I just wanted to say uh, what an amazing job she did.
1: No, Ellen was fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I was so happy about it. Yeah. And it was so good that like people uh like people who are not familiar uh with it they kept like but is it her voice? Is it not her voice? And then we had all of those comments on how authentic the Brazilian accent was or not. And I had a lot of fun with those. So uh, apparently I'm not doing such a great job with my own Brazilian accent. Yeah, you it's need just... to work on it, Sabrina. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was so good. I was really happy uh, to take part in this. And let's just hope that we don't have to do another ATA in Brazil. Well, like. Uh, we want to be done with the shitfuckery. Right?
0: It would be lovely to collaborate again, but let's hope that it's not needed. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Good luck with the election. We'll be watching very closely, and uh, all the best to you and everyone in Brazil. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Juice Media Podcast. Before I sign off, I want to acknowledge all the comments from people imploring us to make an HGA for their government too. Pakistan, India, Canada, Italy, Sri Lanka, South Africa, Philippines, Iran, Greece, Portugal. We see you. I feel honoured by all these requests, but it also saddens me because I know many of them come from places where the situation is very, very shit. So... I promise we'll do our very best to try and make HGAs for all these countries when we can. I see this as an important part of our work because, whilst different countries have different shitfuckery, different histories, and uniquely shit policies, the shitfuckery, history, and policies are also interconnected. So, we can learn a lot about our own shitfuckery when we learn about Brazil's, or Canada's, or India's, because in a way, We are all united by the shitfuckery. And on that heartwarming note, thank you to all the Aussie patrons who have supported us while we focus on other countries' shitfuckery. You'll be glad to know that we'll be returning to our own shores in our next HGA. Well, that's all for now. Make sure to follow Sabrina's important work on YouTube and other platforms. All the links are in the show notes and the video description. Thanks to Alan for helping to edit and produce the podcast. And as always, thanks to our patrons for making our work possible, especially our patron producers who support us via highest tier of $100 a month. You've been listening to the Juice Media Podcast with me, Giordano. I'll catch you very soon for our next Honest Government ad. Till then, take care.